This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood, and I'm happy that you're able to join us on today. Today, we are going to wrap up the topic, overcoming the mirage of UX ambiguity. And by way of very brief recap, again, when you hear the word ambiguity, it makes you think of confusion, it makes you think of consternation. It talks about or implies how people really, they, they lack having a solid handle on things as if the really strong understanding of a thing is something that is out of our reach. And, and that is essentially what we're talking about when we're, when we're looking at how ambiguity applies to user experience, to the discipline. And the word mirage, of course, it's referring to something that simply isn't there, that somebody sees something in their own mind, from their own perspective, that thing is there. But the truth is, it's not really there. And this is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. I initially thought this was going to be a three-week topic that we'd be covering and has extended this is week number eight, and we're going to wrap this up tonight. We're going to put the icing on the cake. We're going to put the cherry on top of the Sunday this week by spending the entire time focusing on how it is that we can eliminate and finally overcome this mirage of UX ambiguity. Do people have a reason to see what they're seeing? In a sense, yes. And in general, yes. Should people be confused? Do people have just cause to feel the way that they feel? In a sense, yes. And we've said in a lot of these episodes that the answer is a flat yes. And and basically it is. It's people see things. They perceive things about the discipline. They, they experience things. They hear things. They go to conferences and people are presenting things that make them leave and scratch their heads. They experience things at work that leave them confused. People are trying to get jobs and don't understand why. Companies are building UX teams, but they're not getting the return on investment that they read about, that they heard about. A lot of people are confused. And so people who've been practicing for years are even some of the ones that are leading this perception by telling others UX doesn't have standards. UX is confusing. I don't know what's going on. My stakeholders don't understand what UX is. I can't describe what UX is. All these different positions are out here. What are these positions? What what are these people doing? Where do I fit? I mean, there's so much. People keep asking a lot of questions and drawing a lot of conclusions and, frankly, making a lot of assumptions. We've been talking for the last seven weeks trying to paint a picture. 
of why the ambiguity is there. Why why are people having a mirage? In the natural, people have a mirage because they have been, basically, their system has been depleted. People have a mirage, the old traditional, the stereotypical picture of a person out in the desert, and this person doesn't have water. And couple the fact that they have not had any water with a passion to have water. They're so thirsty and they're walking around that the next thing you know, they see a pond, they see a water source, and then they begin to go towards that mirage thinking that now this thing that they're missing, this thing that they're craving, this thing that they feel like they need for for sustenance, for, to, for life to continue as they know it in that moment, they begin to press toward it. They begin to labor for it. They begin to, to invest in sweat equity, trying to get at this mirage so that their anxieties can, can be diffused, so that their desires can be met, so that their fears can be done away with. So people see something that isn't there Basically, because, again, of two things, there's something they lack and there's something that they want. And when those two things come together, you have a mirage. That's one of the things that that comes out of it. A mirage is essentially an illusion. It's someone seeing something that's not really there, which is akin to delusion, which has to do with people perceiving things in their mind that, it, that aren't really happening. This is where we are today in 2020. In the world of user experience, we have perceptions that don't exist. We've been talking about the sources of a lot of these things, the things that cause them, the things that practitioners do, the things that companies do or don't do for that matter. I've received a lot of feedback from people about the series. People have expressed their appreciation. People are happy that we're talking about it. A lot of people won't talk about these things. People are happy just burying themselves in their methods and methodologies and whatever things. That, and those topics are all legitimate. The, the things that people are covering pretty much. But they won't talk about these things. And so <laughs> the problem is that you can work on your wireframes and your and all your different uh, uh, concepts and deliverables and artifacts and what have you all you want. But these things exist and they are presenting an obstacle that we need to be aware of and overcome. If not, we will basically suffer the consequences of not having dealt with these things. So I do charge everyone who is under the sound of my voice today. If you, you're a user experience professional, you're You've been doing it for years, possibly. You are a user experience professional that's just launching out. You may have an interest in UX. This landscape that I'm addressing, this is something we need to overcome. This is something that we need to be aware of. And if we're not, and if we want to to believe that this is not anything that needs to be dealt with, uh, maybe you haven't experienced it, or at least you say you haven't experienced it, a little light bulb moment there for some folks, people have experienced it, but just don't want to deal with it. There are people who suffer from ostrich effect bias. There are people who are 
willing to just bury their head in the sand. They don't want to deal with this. But I lived through this before when I was an instructional designer. And now here we are again. Here I am again where the discipline is being subjected to a lot of of um, we'll just call them experiences, uh, factors, elements that if left unchecked will create a problem for the discipline. And it happened in instructional design. I see the same thing happening now. So I've been an advocate for this. I've been talking about this for years. So again, if you are, no matter where you are, when it comes to UX, this is something that you're going to need to be aware of and something you're going to need to navigate. Now, so we're going to spend the rest of this time today just talking about how, what is my proposal? What is my grand solution for how we deal with the mirage of UX ambiguity? How can we cause this thing to to begin to subside? How can we start to turn the wheel in the other direction? So I'm going to share something with you and my, my proposition is something I shared in a talk I did for the UX Talks folks in India just recently. I did a talk on the four pillars of UX, and I talked about something called the UX cycle of excellence. I'd like to share that with you today. I'd like to talk about what I shared with the people during that talk. But before I even get into the seven steps that will help us to overcome the mirage of UX ambiguity, I want to say one thing that somebody might consider it a downer. I just call it truth is that this problem that I've been addressing, it is so far gone. The world of UX is so large. There are so many practitioners, so many players and so many layers. Just as it is with every discipline, we will never fully overcome this. Just please no one understand that. That's just a reality that will just help to keep us grounded. But on an individual level, if you are willing to do your part to make sure that you don't end up experiencing a mirage due to some some deficiency that you have coupled with some desire to to get rid of that deficiency and then you end up imagining something that's not there and then reacting to it end up like some of the people that I've been seeing out here who make these claims as if UX is in a hopeless situation. It is not hopeless. So again, I'm going to talk about these seven steps. Just again, please know we're not, we'll never get over it completely. So if you ever see anybody that just seems to be just pretty much hell bent on going in the other direction, then that's just, that's just it. That's, that's just, you just have to leave that person alone. So This challenge is for individuals. So you have to make up your mind if you're going to embrace this today. So now let's talk about the UX cycle of excellence. This is my recommendation for overcoming these issues. Step number one, make sure that you properly define the discipline. You, if you're going to properly define the discipline, you are not going to be able to, to (laughs) be caught up in the, what I call the flavors of the week or the flavors of the month when it comes to UX. You cannot think that UX is something that it is not. Uh, That that includes you have to cease saying UX UI, among other things, but make sure that you understand what UX truly is. UX is about 
a group of methods and methodologies that is used to achieve the sweet spot, picture again the Venn diagram, between user needs, business needs, and constraints, that we use all of those methods and methodologies to achieve that goal. And it's, it's all wrapped around making things easy to use for our users, getting wins for the business, and doing those things within the bounds of the constraints that might affect what we're working on. So make sure you properly define what UX is. It is not UI. UX is not UI. UI is a subset of UX. So please, let, let's make sure that we understand these things. Um, you cannot just root yourself in certain aspects of UX and ignore the rest and properly represent the discipline. So again, step one, properly define the discipline. Step number two, embrace UX's foundational tenets. I call them the four pillars. Somebody might consider them the principles of the discipline, but usability and heuristics, information architecture, UX research, and interaction and interface design are at the core of everything that we do. And a lot of people are trying to get involved in design thinking and they don't understand anything about these these four pillars. People are trying to get involved in product design, which really just caters to the business and in some cases completely ignores users. And then they call themselves UX professionals. You have to embrace UX's foundational factors. Those principles of the discipline must be embraced in order to function truly in a UX role. So make sure that you embrace those tenets. Number three, make sure that you evaluate your current state. Now it's time to get personal. Where do you stand? What are your strong suits? What, what, what types of things do you feel confident in regarding the discipline? What do you have in your corner? What, what are your achievements? What's your acumen? Truly, be honest with yourself, look at yourself, and consider where you stand, which leads us into step four. Step four, at this level, with this step, you need to identify, after you've taken a good look at yourself and identified, evaluated and identified your current state, you need to look at yourself and identify personal knowledge and skill gaps that exist with you as a practitioner. Because between the two, you're gonna get into step five, building towards excellence. And this becomes a cycle. You would continuously evaluate your state, identify knowledge and skill gaps, and identifying those knowledge and skill gaps will help you to devise a strategy to constantly improve yourself. When you do that, you start to move towards excellence. Man, and when you do these things, you can even just thinking about it, you, you can see that how much confusion do you think that these things are going to, to pave the way for? None. It's going to help to eliminate confusion. It's going to help to give you stability. It's going to help you to be confident. It's going to help you to be a plus to the discipline, which is what we need. Step six, commit to personal maintenance. You do not achieve certain levels of excellence and maintain them without paying attention and always taking inventory, if you will, which is what we were just talking about in the other steps. You're gonna constantly look at, what, at yourself. What can I stand to get better in? 
what 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 did I really have a strong hold, a strong grasp on previously? And are there any reasons why I need to take another look at that and see if I need to expand my skill and knowledge, even in the areas where I was comfortable and confident? These things do happen. We should not achieve certain levels of growth, certain levels of maturity, personal UX maturity, you could call it that, and then feel like, okay, I've arrived and I never need to look at that topic again. That's not how we maintain our state. That's not how we maintain excellence. We can never feel like we've arrived. Matter of fact, I talk about this all the time. If you're going to to really excel in user experience, you have to be committed to continued education. You always have to spend a certain amount of time every week looking at different articles, articles that matter. I mean, make sure you apply critical thinking because there's a lot of inaccurate articles out there that will take you down the wrong street, will take you down the wrong path. Make sure that you look at different knowledge sources. I always talk about building a personalized learning network or a PLN for short. This is something that it's, it's big in the educational circles where you identify sources of knowledge, sources of information, places where you can go regularly and find information that will help to sharpen your saw. Maybe it's a website. Maybe it's a YouTube channel. Maybe it's a podcast. All of these things, find them, identify them. They actually should be in a true PLN. You should actually be pulling from sources from different arenas. So document these things and make it a point that you're frequently going back, tapping into these resources on a regular basis so that you're constantly being presented with new information, revisiting old information, looking at ways that that the knowledge and the skill that you've attained in the past where you might be able to expand. Yeah, so, so say you learned about information architecture not long ago. And let's say that you have certain practices that you've come across that help you to excel from an information architecture perspective. Well, you haven't ended that journey just because you got some solid information. Again, I've been practicing for over 20 years. That doesn't mean that I get to sit on my leaves and then not pay attention and not grow and not continue to examine new schools of thought that will help to optimize what it is that I'm doing as a UX professional. So we cannot feel like we've arrived. Again, step six, make sure you commit to strong, I'm going to throw the word strong in there, commit to strong personal maintenance. That's the only way that we're going to excel. It applies to people who are in the medical fields. It applies to athletes. It applies to people in all different walks of life across several different types of careers. Make sure that you're constantly learning and a personalized learning network will help you to execute step six, the maintenance step. Lastly, step seven. I refer to this many times as the most important of the seven steps. And I talk to people about this quite often. Step seven, please be patient with yourself. People, a lot of times, they're so, a lot of us, I think we've all been there at some point in time. We want to grow so fast. It's happening a lot in the UX world. People feel like they fall for the for the promise that you can learn UX in six months. It's interesting that you can learn UX in six months, yet some of us who've been practicing for 
10, 15, 20 years will tell you how much we have expanded over time, how much we continue to grow, and how many times we're learning something new, even in looking at old designs, we would approach it differently because of what we know today. All you can do initially is lay a foundation. That's all any of us could ever do. So be patient with yourself. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. You're not going to go from zero to 60 in 4.3 seconds when it comes to UX. Be patient and ride it out. So step one, properly define the discipline. Step two, embrace UX's foundational tenets. Step three, evaluate your current state. Step four, identify knowledge and skill gaps. Step five, build towards excellence. Step six, commit to personal maintenance. And step seven, please be patient with yourself. You'll be happy that you did and you'll be a lot better off for it. This is how we overcome the mirage of UX ambiguity, folks. Please take it to heart and I hope to see you on that mountaintop, if you will, because of what you have chosen to embrace and execute. Folks, that's all the time that we have for today. This is Darren Hood, your host for the world of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.